Really? Her name's Christine. Welcome to Screen Run. I'm your host, the Lady Juan, and I'm here with Chris Galza. Screen Run is a show where Chris and I explore the films of a particular artist or franchise. And in season three, we are talking all about the films of John Carpenter. Today, we're going to be talking about Christine. And joining us to talk about this film today is star of Screen and Podcasts, <laughs> Lindsay Washburn. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay. Hi, I am so excited to be here. Yes. I'm, sci- I'm excited to finally talk about a movie with you because we talk about it on Twitter sometimes, yes. but I'm like, we need to collaborate, do something. And I'm so glad you asked me to be here. Yeah, I've we've had more movies than ever to cover in this season. And I was like, we got to get Lindsay. And I gave you <laughs> I gave you a couple movie options and immediately mm-hmm. you were like, Christine, Christine, oh, I'm yes. in, let's do it. Uh, so why why Christine? And what's your history with this movie? Well, it wasn't the first John Carpenter movie I saw. I'd I'd seen Halloween and The Thing and and uh, stuff like that, but um, this one was always like a little bit of a, an oddity to me, mm-hmm. just because of the the premise and the performances <laughs> and stuff. And so that always like left a big impression upon me that you know you could have like an absurd premise but still make it interesting and 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 cool and personify this car with with certain attributes and i I just found it very creative in the ways they did that and so i've always loved it for that yeah i mean just to describe the concept of like murdery car is yeah it doesn't sound (laughs) cool but it's pretty cool (laughs) um what overall is your your history with with John Carpenter movies? Like, what's your favorite Carpenter? What's your go to? Chris is obsessed with the thing. That <laughs> is my favorite. That is my favorite Carpenter <laughs> movie. It's probably my number two favorite movie of all time. Oh. Yeah, I know. I love the thing. It's so pitch perfect on yeah. almost ev- um, pretty much everything. Yeah, you know, and the practical effects are so good Unreal. and the performances and you have Kurt Russell and you can't go wrong. Yeah. And his beard. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And that hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're, you're in good company, Chris. <laughs> um, Chris, when did you first see Christine? When did she come into your life? Basically just a few days ago. <gasps> really? Yeah. I've never <gasps> seen the film from start to finish in oh. my life. I've only seen kind of bits and pieces of it over time, but wow. never the whole thing from start to finish because I'd never heard really good things about it. Mm. And uh, I just, I had never really gotten around to watching it. So this was my, uh, just, you know, I don't know, my uh, first experience. I was going to make some weird sexualization joke <laughs> with a movie <laughs> and a car because yes. that's clearly what Carpenter's going for here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. could not tie it together quickly enough. So I <laughs> Uh, this was also my first experience with this movie too. Oh, Um, I am so excited now. (laughs) I was, I was only aware of it existing from one of those episodes of like, I love the eighties on VH1 back in the day because Mm -hmm. they kept playing the clip of the old man. I don't know if you did any drops, Chris. Not of that specifically. No, I don't have anything (laughs) Oddly enough, I have drops from other movies in this particular reason. <laughs> oh, boy. As well as some stuff from uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff, oh, which okay. we can get it to, but that's it. Okay. Well, I, I remember vividly the, the like, going to a commercial break on, like, I Love 1983, playing the clip of the old man, but, like, obviously it's on VH1, so pussy is bleeped out. I was just like, I remember watching that and being like, what the hell is this movie about? And that's the only thing I knew about it going into this movie is that line was going to be uttered. So, yeah, interesting way to to lead into that. Um, But before we get into the movie itself, we're just going to talk a little bit about how Christine came into being. Um, So it is obviously based on the novel by Stephen King. Uh, The movie actually was in production before the novel even came out because everybody was obsessed with Stephen King. Yeah, I found that shocking when I read that. I was like, whoa. I mean, they start movies without without scripts these days. So, I mean. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, at least they had 
the book to go off of. At least they yes. had that. Now there, there are definitely some differences between the book and the movie, but mm-hmm. um, Stephen King was hot, and Richard Kobritz um, had produced Salem's Lot, and he had produced one of uh, Carpenter's he, Carpenter's TV movies. Someone's watching me, so he knew. He's like. We got to get a Stephen King story into here. And he had Cujo and Christine to choose from. And he thought Cujo was silly. And uh, Christine was cool. (laughs) So there we went. Um, At first, Carpenter wasn't actually going to be directing it because he was working on Firestarter, which was another Stephen King adaptation. It's just like the peak King times. And uh, there ended up being production delays. And so... It worked out. And Carpenter has called this film a job as opposed to a personal project. Kind of after the thing, he was a little grumpy. It didn't kind of, he thought it was going to really have the impact that it now has, but it didn't have at the time. Um, So I think he was just like, kind of a little professional hangover moment of just like, I don't really want to like, all right, I'll just, I'll do the gig. Mm -hmm. I'll do the gig. You want to talk about a segue, then you should listen to this. Richard approached me and uh, said he uh, had the rights he wanted to do this new book by Stephen King called Christine. And I read it. And at the time, I had just made uh, a film called uh, The Thing, which had not done particularly well at the box office in the, in the United States. And I had received a lot of criticism uh, for being too violent and ooky and grotesque and so forth. So I was looking around for work, and I read this, and... It's a haunted car story, but with uh, really interesting characters. So I said, why not? I need a job. Why not? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I think that clip encapsulates all of my issues with this film, oh. basically, which we can expand from there. But sorry, continue. You, just, you had teed it up so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's almost like I did my research or something. Mm. <laughs> what? No. There's, like I was saying before, there's some difference between the novel and um, the film. I can't remember if I said this two minutes ago, but the book came out in April. The movie came out in December. Nice, quick little turnaround on that one. Mm -hmm. But this one, so this one had a pretty kind of middling reviews, like, eh, like some good, some bad, uh, but it grossed around $21 million on a $10 million budget, which is okay. I, I feel so strange and bizarre to talk about $21 million like it's not an intense amount of money. Such but, a different time. <laughs> but it's just, it's, you know, it's not enough. But it's since become a cult classic, not to the level of the thing. Um, no. But, you know, Blumhouse is going to do a remake. So it's mm-hmm. some kind of cult classic. That's how you know is when they want to remake what you loved. That's how you know. <laughs> <laughs> and they're remaking Christine. Not the thing. Just to yes, clear yes. Up. Sorry, sorry. Just to mm-hmm. be abundantly clear, this. I'm curious what they're going to do with it. I'm sure it's out there. I haven't read anything because I was just. I'm sure they'll update it right. a little bit. It'll probably take place in the 90s. Is what my guess would be. Mm. Possibly, I don't know. But it's like, what yeah. car? Yeah. What's a cool car from the 90s? Yeah, they that's take. A I, I bet Christine would probably be a muscle car from the 70s. I was thinking like more that. like a like a Chevy Cavalier. Or something. Uh... Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> that would be great if Christine was like... Well, I think because, well, I think when King had chosen the Fury, yeah, according supposedly, and you may have this in your notes, Juan, is that he chose the, well, all right, so why did he choose this car in particular? Because it was a forgotten car. Mm-hmm. And it, it just sort of faded away and you, you know, wanted to bring it back and give it, give it a life all of its own. And yeah, I mean, personality yeah. accomplished. <laughs> accomplished yeah I, i'm looking at one on ebay right now so <laughs> hopefully not possessed i did see so there's a you can find it on youtube there's a video uh i think it's like the last remaining car from all this filming process uh it went up for auction in january 2020 and it had a list between like four hundred and five hundred thousand dollars and it did not sell american yes yeah. i feel like somebody was like i'm not buying that murder car like <laughs> I feel like you're tempting bait if you buy that car. A little bit. It's got a curse. It's got yeah. a death curse. It's spooky. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> you can you can watch the sad YouTube video of it just not selling. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
Anything else on the car before I get into casting, Chris? So one thing, I guess, just the real-life Furies only came in sandstone white with yes. a buckskin beige interior. Yes. And, uh, All the other cars on the line are in the correct color. Which I appreciated, too. Yeah. I thought it was a nice touch to yeah. kind of really stand out Christine as being off, as being something different. Yes. I like the use of the George Thorogood Bad to the Bone, which I think was a relatively new <laughs> song at the time as well, which I found fun. Yeah. Right. It sets the tone right away. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, wow. but I know, I don't think outside of the behind the scenes car stuff, I don't know if you want to talk about how they did like... The coolest effect in the film. <laughs> we will we will get into the damage done and the practical effects used for sure. Yeah. But I just quickly want to cover the casting here because I didn't know who any of these people were. Uh, oh no, <laughs> no! I was like, I don't know who this guy is. Oh, you're much younger uh, than I am. Well, <laughs> and then after finishing watching, I was like, oh, Arnie is. He was one of the kids on the boats in the second Jaws. After two viewings of this movie, I picked that up. But uh, that was that was an intentional choice. The studio, so Columbia Pictures, they wanted Brooke Shields to play Lee. They wanted Scott Bayo to be Arnie, which I like. I can't picture that one. That one I struggle no, with a little bit. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kevin Bacon auditioned as well, but he got offered the lead in Footloose, so he made that. I think choice. he made the right I, the I right think choice. So. Uh, yeah, I feel good about that. <laughs> I agree with you, but I also think this would have been a much different and probably better film if Kevin Bacon was. The yes, lead in it. I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, better for us, not necessarily better for Bacon. No, not for his no. career. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I just when I saw that, I actually got sad Aww. because I'm like, I would have loved to have seen Kevin Bacon in this movie. Yeah, it would have really made it a little special instead of having so many kind of nondescript people in the film. Never mind the fact that they got high schoolers being played by thirty-year-olds as always. At this <laughs> yes. time. Still having, you know, the Bakemeister in there would have been uh, at a little more depth. I think, and I would have been more interested. Yeah, that's for sure. Oh yeah, it it could have been better. Yeah, John Stockwell just kept reminding me of Paul Walker. Oh like, yeah, he does. Like, like yeah. I just couldn't get could not get past that. Wow, I if I was John Stockwell, I'd be very happy with you right now. <laughs> no offense to Stockwell, but I mean, I don't think they look exactly the same, but there was like there's flashes of it where you can like see oh, yeah. like, oh, he's that guy. That's who he's being. And yeah, know. but Stockwell's an LA five <laughs> and like a a Florida seven or eight. Oh my god. And Walker is a nine ten no matter what planet he shows up on. I, I imagine if John Stockwell had access to all of the grooming and surgery that young male stars have now, he could he could have been could have been, you know, bumped up a okay. point or two. You look you look at some like movie from the sixties or seventies, someone looks like they're maybe in their seventies and they're forty five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is I think the woman playing Arnie's mom is twelve years older than him. Yeah. <sighs> That's mean. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let me bounce right back to the cars here. Uh, Because I read, I read two different numbers, but whichever one ends up being true, there's only between like five and eight thousand of that car that was produced. The the fifty eight Fury. So when they were getting ready to work on this movie, they put out radio ads in Southern California being like, hey, do you have this car? We'll buy it. And I think they ended up getting like 24 different cars just to kind of cobble things together, have some obviously disposable materials for all of what they put those vehicles through. And they didn't only exclusively have Furies. They had a couple of similar looking cars that they kind of doctored up to to fit the role of Christine. But this is one of those, like, you know, I guess how many dogs played Cujo? How many cars played Christine? There's quite a few to make all of this happen. Yeah, I like, too, that I, in the, I guess the, uh, the garage he's working in when he's assembling Christine and fixing her up. Yeah. I guess that building was enormous. So they split it in two. So half of it was them actually <laughs> maintaining the cars. Yeah. And then the other half, they were shooting the film in, which I thought was interesting. Watching those scenes of... Christine regenerating herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 
I was like, how they do that? <laughs> Literally, I was just sitting it's there. It's impressive. I, it, I, I was blown away. I went and like rewound it again. I was like, I need I need to see this happen because I'm watching it. How am I watching? I don't understand. The oldest trick in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us, Chris, how did they do that? Well, they'd set up hydraulics basically inside one of the, like a chassis or model of the car. And then they crushed it. And then all they did, basically, you know, they would kind of, you know, the hydraulics would draw the car in and basically <laughs> crush it and turn like it would implode, I guess, basically. Mm-hmm. And then what they did, they just ran the tape backwards. Just, you know, added some fun sound effects. There yeah. you go. <laughs> we've we've gotten some of the coolest stuff so far from just running, running the tape backwards. The fog creeping in yep. earlier in the season and then this. It was just it just it just works. It's just it's economical filmmaking. Once again, Carpenter doing what Carpenter does best. And it blows my mind too. At some point, they weren't even going to shoot it. Yeah, there was all going to happen off off camera, and then I guess they had the rough cut. And Carpenter's like, you know, this it doesn't work. It's missing. It's missing this. We missing need the this. magic. Yeah, you need you need those scenes. Yeah, exactly. They go to the special effects folks, and they he comes up with the uh, idea of the hydraulics and having it kind of just implode in a way and. And they film it and run it backwards. The other cool, and I'm curious too, what you thought of this, Lindsay? What my probably next to the car fixing itself <laughs> is the running while it's on fire. Oh. Kind of the fireball, Christine. <laughs> that is such an amazing effect. It's so good and it's yeah. so menacing. And yes. the light that it emits in the darkness, it's just, oh, it's so cool. Yeah, I love those. I love that sequence. Yeah, it's a highlight of the film for me. It's one of the oh, best yeah. and coolest things that the entire movie. And I was watching an interview with the stuntman, and I guess he's all covered up in the car and driving it. <laughs> I and they said, like, when they so when it pulls out of the garage and backs out, it stalls because it's just so damn hot. <gasps> oh, and they have to kind of reset and light up another one, and then drive oh, as far as it can until it dies again, and then just kind of piece it all together. But it uh, it works, man. Yeah. Practical it works effects. And they have so like well. flame jets. I mean, everything. And it yeah. is it is quite an image. Let me tell you. It's mm-hmm. insane. It looks so, so cool. And that, and the music behind it. Oh yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Does not compare to uh, regenerating or flaming Christine, but even just at the very beginning when the movie is starting, we get that shot in the mirror showing yes. the people. Where, I was like, oh, we're already like. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Show me what you got. Like, it's just such a cool start to what seems just, you know, like a just a little establishing scene. And mm-hmm. it's just immediately creative and interesting and draws you in. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's showing you Christine's point of view. Mm-hmm. She's watching these men walk up and down around her and what they're doing. Yeah. It's great. So that's that from the jump is where we get one pretty significant difference from the novel to the film is in the book is pretty clear Christine is possessed by the spirit of her like evil owner yes and I like uh in this movie they're like nah from birth she is just (laughs) she's mad and she's not gonna take it (laughs) she Mm -hmm. is she's like don't don't uh spill cigar ash on me I will Uh murder you Uh and I, I love that watching this um especially you know, knowing it was a, a King adaptation, I wasn't expecting the movie to just be like, yeah, it's a, just a evil car. No reason. There's <laughs> just, is. It, she, she's just evil <laughs> from the moment she rolled off the lines. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that, that decision to make is just, it's bonkers. And I'm not mad at all. Like it was, it was such a, such an interesting, bold choice to make that I think really works as she begins to kind of, show her personality through arnie as the film goes on Um, oh yeah and because the rest of the film isn't about how did she get possessed and how yes exactly uh, it was it was the 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 conflict was never about her being possessed it was Mm -hmm. about this relationship and the damage that it causes yeah yeah we don't have to try and like purge the possession we don't have to fix her no Mm -mm. (laughs) just gotta destroy her yes Just all you can do is try and fight the scar. That's it. <laughs> Chris, do you, you don't. I have another inappropriate drop. You don't happen to have, is it? Which is when they're describing Lee and they say she looks smart but has the body of a slut. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I don't. I, yeah, I'll have to grab that's, that for that's you. That's a though. that's a great one there because they. Do you say want it as a that. ringtone? 
Oh, yes, please. I want it whenever I get a text. I want people okay. to hear that. Because they say that and then they show her. And she is wearing knee-high socks and loafers <laughs> and long pleated shorts and an argyle sweater. sweater. Yes. <laughs> and I, I can't tell if this is just like, do I not understand that she, because she's beautiful, obviously. Oh, yeah. But I was like, I can't tell where the joke is. Is the joke on that guy for being like, she looks like a slut and just because he's a horny high school guy? Or do I not understand that that was like something? I don't know. I, I always <laughs> took, because they, they throw a lot of these like hyper, hyper masculine yeah. things in this movie. Yes. And I thought that that was just one of them. Yeah. You know? It was just like, look at these it's, dumb boys. And, it's, and they're all heightened. Yes. You know, they're all very heightened. And so I think that was just like, yeah, this is this because because the whole thing with Arnold is he's supposedly becoming a man. He's got his girl, all yeah. that. So it's just about the masculinity heightened to to just crazy levels during that time. Yeah, this yeah. is good. I want to explore this with you, Lindsay, because I think okay. we're coming into <laughs> for me what is the most interesting and engaging things in this mm -hmm. film is that I'm watching this and I'm like, well, Carpenter's making kind of a, a sexual coming of age film about yes. a boy. And yes. his car. It's like the OG mm -hmm. Tatan, right? Oh, yeah. Or uh, now I don't know if he actually has intercourse with the car like they do in Tatan, but I, well, I wouldn't say no. I mean, no. the actor said that every time he touched that car, he would in his mind say, this is the part of a woman I'm touching. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's it's very sexual. I yes. mean, at the end, he, he, he rubs his finger down the V on the front of the grill, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It may not have been purposeful, but I took it as purposeful. I think so, too. Yeah, for me, that is the most interesting aspect of the movie is that that relationship and i think carpenter's attempt to kind of create what i think is more i'm going to use the term like a subtle almost psychological thriller about yes you know puberty and growing up at this time and i love that he's so focused on capturing kind of this 50s teenage vibe as you watch mm -hmm. arnie as he mm -hmm. slowly turns right mm -hmm. his his mannerisms his clothing everything his about hair. him hair, yeah Yes. starts to shift back it's like the car only plays the oldies station right mm -hmm. all of that stuff and what i'm really interested in this movie and what i think is really successful is when it's examining the relationships amongst all of these people yes. i think that's when it really works for me particularly too and i think one of the issues i had is i watched all the deleted scenes on this too mm -hmm. and they're all cut out for the most part but lee and dennis actually establish a romantic relationship yeah and it's much more fleshed out in mm. the deleted oh, scenes. Okay. In fact, there's a scene too where uh, Lee and Dennis are at a restaurant grabbing a burger, and there's a big truck behind them, and then the truck pulls another. And then again, a, a missed opportunity, I think, for me, because the truck pulls away, and they're talking about what are we going to do about Arnie, what are we going to do about Christine, and about I don't know, like a five Mississippi later, Christine pulls in, Arnie and Christine pull oh, in. They would have just done that reveal exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. it would have been much oh. more effective. But Arnie catches them making out in the car oh, and no. flips out, right? And I think adding that kind of interesting, what is it, a love quadruple? A love yeah. rectangle? What would it be? Uh, but either uh, way, thornful? having... I don't know what they call it. Yeah, <laughs> but including that, <laughs> I think would have been a lot more interesting. If, we're, if he wants to focus mm -hmm. on the characters more and then in the second half turned it into a more traditional horror film, which I have a lot of problems with too, but I think is much less successful. Uh, I, I, it, I feel like cutting a lot of those scenes ends up hurting his own cause. I don't know if he's trying to make a running time, but I just... It's, po it's possible, because, I mean, this was almost two hours as it was. Yeah. Um, and horror movie in the 80s, the 90 minutes, you know, mm -hmm. was, was very mostly strictly adhered to. But um, but yeah, and also if they would have kept him discovering them forming mm -hmm. this relationship, it would have given him even more motivation to make that final turn. Right. Yeah, I don't understand. Because, I... because he, he turned against her so quickly. Yeah. Just because, I mean, really because she was concerned about him and tried to tell him about the car. But adding that betrayal on top of it, mm -hmm. then... You know, he goes full bore. He's there's no coming back. And, that, and this is the film where I'm I start to think that Carpenter's economy of filmmaking begins to hurt him. I think that there are some mistakes in this film that he makes. And 
one of them being how sanitized it is as a horror film. Mm. It is. I'm. I. And some. I'm. Some ways. I'm shocked by how sanitized mm-hmm. it is, and I think yeah. he's smarting still because of the yes. reaction to oh, the yeah. thing. Oh yeah, he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be the gross guy yeah. anymore because so, it didn't work for him. Right. So he makes <laughs> what I think is basically a a thriller with in Greece without the music. He's got Greece the thriller in the first half, but then he he fumbles the ball in the second half because it's not that scary. And the violence is really a lot of it happens off screen. Yeah. There's no gore basically to speak of in any capacity. No. Mm-hmm. And I think it ends up robbing the film of any real punch. Yeah, there's no real impact for it. It almost turns into like another t- TV movie that he did, unfortunately. Outside of the profanity. Now, that's one of the interesting <laughs> yeah. things is that there's a lot of F-bombs and a lot of profanity mm-hmm. in this yes. thing. And there actually was some commotion about that, which is funny because there were, one of the producers was talking about one of the producers. It was the producer. What's the guy's name again, Juan? You mentioned him. Cobritz. Cobritz, thank you. He's saying he's getting a lot of heat because of all the F-bombs. He goes, but then yeah. what happened is like later in the year, Another film came out. And... This sound like a great big chicken just <laughs> waiting to be plucked. So that is the TV version of Scarface. He does not say this town is like a great big chicken waiting to be plucked. No, he does not say that. <laughs> Which I think Scarface still has the most f bombs on a record in a film. So that kind of oh. let the steam off of that. But that's how. But that's how they got the hard R. Yeah. They wanted a hard R, so what yeah. did they do is Gotta they ramp the up the in. profanity. So, yeah. It's just I missed opportunity for me. I'll, I'll, that's, yeah, problems with me. Yeah. I'm sure that's something that they will do in the remake. Definitely. I can, yeah. If it's Blumhouse, they'll, they'll make it icky a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Lindsay, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I get the impression that you really like this film. I think they're valid. I think they're valid. They don't bother me a lot just because I've seen the movie a lot. So mm-hmm. the faults have just kind of gone by the wayside for me. And <laughs> I just watch it to enjoy the things I enjoy about it, you know? Yeah. But they're there, you know? I mean, if if they weren't there, this movie would, you know, race higher on Carpenter's catalog than mm-hmm. it does, I think, for a, for a majority of people. But it doesn't. And that's by you know, diehard Carpenter fans. I mean, I'm sure there's a few out there who this is their favorite, but I don't think it's the overwhelming majority. Mm-hmm. But despite its faults, it has such interesting and creative things going on with it. So it, I forgive a lot of stuff when there's, <laughs> when there's stuff that really, really makes me think about different themes and ways of storytelling, then I, I forgive a lot of stuff. <laughs> I hear you. I just think, Carpenter made the wrong call with the oh, yeah. sanitizing. So I made a decision and it was wrong. It was a bad call. That's, uh, <laughs> that's it. I know what it is. Whenever I hear the term or I say that's a bad call, I instantly flash to aliens. With, uh, <laughs> it's a bad call, Ripley. It's a bad call. Oh, man. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the real monster. Mm-hmm. So I... I wanted to ask you one more thing, too, both of you. Yeah. I'll, I'll go to Juan now because this is technically her show. She just puts up with me. <laughs> and Lindsay had mentioned this before, how everything is kind of outsized. And I think that's an issue I had, too, a little bit with Arnie, is how mm. much of a nerd he is. Just way, yeah. way too over the He's more over the top, I think, than everybody else in the cast. He's, you know, he's... Gordon's at like a 10 and everybody else is hovering around a seven. Yeah. Yeah. If he's not at like a 12, he's taking some swings. Big swings. (laughs) And I, I appreciate big swings, whether they land or not. I I appreciate it. (laughs) He's got the glasses. Yeah. He's bullied. He can't even take out the trash the right way. They even do the tape on the glasses. I know. That hurt me. Poor guy. Yeah. He's, but I mean, he is like, to use your Grease comparison again, he is like Eugene. Like, he is that level of cliche nerd when oh, yeah. when it starts. You know, like, they're stealing his lunch from him. and Oh, yeah. And also, I like this movie because how well it parallels Carrie. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Arnie is Carrie in this mm-hmm. one. He just uses another type of 
it's 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 the the male centric version of Carrie essentially yeah. with with what King was trying to do with his story, and so I I, I like watching them sometimes back to back just to pick out some of the parallels because there's yeah. quite a few. Yeah, there's quite a few. It's just some of them are stretched out more than others. Yeah, between the films, and I and I do appreciate even though how over the top it is that his transformation isn't just from a nerd to a cool guy. But it's also it's not just shedding the nerdiness, but he's mm-hmm. also like shifting culturally and mm-hmm. temporally. Yeah. Right. He's actually becoming yeah. like this guy from the 50s, this greaser yep. type yeah. guy. And it's just I don't know. I think it's there's a lot in here I like. I want to make sure I'm clear about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Juan, what's up? What's up next? What do you got for us? I hope this is a good segue. Do you like the score? The film, in regards to its score, is yes. the music, specifically the 50s and pop music, is more important in this film than Carpenter and Howard's score is. Mm. I found the score a bit underwhelming. Uh, maybe I should say understated. It's not an intrusive score in any capacity. It's very kind of soft and ethereal, and it's more focused on kind of drama and mood than it is on building any tension for me. Yeah. You know, and it yeah, kind of weaves in and out occasionally, out of nowhere, comes back in, and then we shift to some oldie song as well. And I think it's too, the the actual pop music, the rock music, is more important, integral to the film and what Carpenter's trying to present. So I think the score here just isn't as important. It takes kind of a pardon the pun, the backseat <laughs> to, the, uh, <laughs> to the pop music, you know, and I think it makes sense. You know, I mean, I'm always going to love curmudgeonly Uncle John when he does his <laughs> scores and all the stuff that he does. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, this score is, is a little less remarkable than some of the ones we've seen previously. Hey, man, well, of course, he worked with Alan Howarth again with this one, too. Yeah, it didn't stand out as much to me on the first watch. Uh, but then watching it again a second time tonight, um, it kind of it stood out more, I would say, towards like the third act. Yeah. I feel like the, yep. the score kind of kind of comes into into play more as it's you know going along with the regeneration and with the the kind of last confrontation that's coming um i feel like it kind of i really didn't truly notice it until probably the third act it was just sort of it was all about the uh the 50s needle drops really mm-hmm. yeah i mean because that's the way christine communicates is yeah. through every single one of those needle drops i <laughs> right. love them they're so creative like when she's essentially getting sexually assaulted by the bullies yeah you know she's she's still defiant she's like you can keep knocking but you can't come in motherfuckers yeah <laughs> right. and none of them were wearing safety glasses i was very none concerned about that i none know and another deleted scene too they show you horshack peeing in the gas tank and then the other kid taking a dump on no the way dash. No. now you don't see any fluids come out anywhere no, you just see this in the position yeah <laughs> and it runs a lot longer it's probably about 40 seconds longer and i was worried about the one the one big buff bully guy i'm blanking on his name who was i think like buddy. 40 yeah but yeah he was yeah, he could have been a teacher at that school. Yeah, but he's like wailing on the car, I and know. he's like every now and then he's like slipping on the hood, and I'm like, sweet Christ, he's gonna fall. I know. But, Watching uh, him up on those in his boots on right. the hood, I was like, another I don't weird. Know about oh, that. I wanted to say too. Another thing, what you don't know if you don't see the deleted scenes, that this is a Christmas movie. Wait, please, please break that one down for me. I There's, I don't understand. Well, they, they mentioned Thanksgiving. Yes, because when he's being right. a shitty friend to him in the hospital, he's like, anyway, happy oh, Thanksgiving. Bye. And I'm like, oh, If we no! talk about, yeah, being the absolute most <laughs> bullshit beer pour I have ever seen in a movie. <laughs> the head he has on that thing <sighs> is just. It was not good. It's an atrocity. <laughs> but no, there's a scene again with, with Dennis and Lee when they're in Lee's house. And the, the the shot kind of zooms in a bit as they're talking on the couch. And, of course, I think they make out. Oh. But there's a Christmas tree in the corner. Oh. So maybe it's right around Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving. Depends yeah. On put Who knows? I We put our Christmas tree up here basically the first weekend after Halloween because <laughs> we are sickos. So maybe who knows? But, yeah. Uh, well, war for you. I guess it's basically it's all of uh, the first half of the school year, right? Because they're going to... They've finished summer. It's football season. Yeah, it's football yeah. season. And we have, you know, he's abandoning him on Thanksgiving. It did come out in December. So 
I'm sure that resonated for the audience. They're like, ah, oh, <laughs> there it is. I'm not satisfied. I don't think uh, so. I want to ask you both a question. <laughs> okay. As as the male in the group, I yes. feel like mm-hmm. I want to delve into a little bit of my toxic masculinity and oh, demand yeah. a response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you either of you feel like I do that it is like two kind of separate films where we have the kind of drama and the kind of mystery thriller, and then it just for the least maybe not even halves, but the final act, the third act, it kind of devolves into this almost. I don't know. I don't want to say dull horror film, but it's a little too trite and a little too traditional outside of the fact that I guess Carpenter has Christine basically sodomized by a bulldozer. Yeah. Yeah. But I think outside of that, and then there's one cool scene when Christine is ramming against what pylons or something and her, the hood resembles like teeth. teeth. Yeah. 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 But outside of that, everything else seems kind of perfunctory and kind of lacked any real thrills for me no it worked for me (laughs) (laughs) no i i i liked it because i mean they needed another machine Mm -hmm. to kill the evil machine and in the book it's a septic truck named petunia and i wish they would have kept that in the movie i hope that is in the remake i hope petunia is in the remake king wanted like a final battle between two like tough female vehicles or something yeah i don't know Lots of cocaine. <laughs> Lots of cocaine. Fair enough. For me, it it comes through. It works. It it ramps up when it needs to. And I just think the car itself is so interesting to me. Like what's physically happening on screen with the car, what's happening with the car's personality. It all ended up working for me. I do see what you're saying before about, you know, it's really it's it's a little softer than it needs to be when it comes to the effects, comes to the the scares, the gore, the all of that. Like it's truly is like a hangover from the thing of pulling back too much, overcorrecting. But for me, none of that bothered me. I honestly didn't even realize how little violence there was until after I finished watching it and kind of thinking back was like, oh, they said they had to scrape his legs up with a shovel, but I didn't see that. That's weird that I, like, didn't see any of that. You just sort of see him, like, jump up. I'm kind of the same way. The first several times I watched this, I wasn't like, oh, we didn't get any. Yeah. We didn't get to see it. I mean, they talk about scooping the guy's legs up. Yeah. With a shovel. (laughs) But I think the tone that they set, because, I mean, mean, they do some things that are almost like a slasher film, you know, Mm -hmm. where Christine is stalking the the bad bullies and stuff like that. I don't know. They never even really introduce it so i think none is better than just a little bit if if you know what i mean yeah yeah like they did like they didn't they completely took it out they didn't like show you just a little yeah because that would have disappointed me more if it was just like oh here's a little yeah it's not like you know with those you know friday the 13th movies where you can tell they've been cut up it's not like they filmed it and cut it back um, and so it doesn't feel jarring like that. And I'm wondering if maybe part of the reason why I didn't notice that there wasn't really any visible violence is because there's visible car violence. Like it oh, is yeah. it. I mean, I know it's not a, an alive being, but like it's very violent acts what happens to Christine. Mm-hmm. And that goes on and on and on in some parts. So maybe that's kind of why my brain just kind of clocked it as like, oh yeah, a bunch of stuff got fucked up. Yeah. Then, yeah. But then again, <laughs> if you're right about that, then again, it, I think it's another missed opportunity. So mm. I think you're both right. Carpenter and Phillips, Bill Phillips, the guy who wrote the adaptation of the screenplay, they mm-hmm. both said basically, the one, even why they didn't really, they weren't even that concerned about the cast of having gotten named people because yeah. they wanted people who could act, but they weren't that concerned about it because the, the main character in the movie was the car, was yeah. Christine. Yeah. But if you're going to not give me any gore, then give me some sound design. All right? Mm. If when the, when the kid gets pinned and cut in half, give me a good, like, splash. Mm. Like, there's something, you know, because <laughs> a lot of that stuff they'll say, you know, well, it's what you don't see is yeah. what's mm-hmm. so terrifying, right? Fine, but I need a little sound design. I need a little stuff like that as well. And then also, yeah. if you're going to have the violence happen to Christine, then maybe I need to see more oil spurting out of her as well as mm. a representation of blood, Whoa. perhaps, or something. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like, That'd again, a, another potential missed opportunity, again, that Carpenter's economy of filmmaking, very mm-hmm. direct. Let's do this. We're going to place the camera here. We're going to shoot this. I think that I'm starting to wonder then if he's almost kind of now adding in the further restriction 
of not having a lot of viol- any violence really or gore, he's mm-hmm. now boxing himself in so tight mm. that it, the film just isn't as engaging for me as some of the stuff yeah. has been previously. I could see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, it's interesting that it's something that we get to kind of enjoy, particularly in our, in our first season and now in this third season, is the impact of one movie on yeah. the next movie in somebody's career or on the later mm. movie as, as it goes on. Because, uh, you know, none of these things happen in a vacuum. And to, it's really been interesting to kind of go through film by film. And, and we'll continue on to see, like, obviously, we have significantly less violence than you would expect in a car murders people movies. <laughs> because of the response to the thing and like you can't separate those those two movies because of the way uh the thing impacted christine yeah yeah see like we're we're doing real stuff here we're really getting into it man (laughs) (laughs) and there'll be a chart once again at the end of the season a very complex chart We will be tested. Yes. We have all kinds of data points to put out. Uh, I do want to say one of my other favorite shots, Mm. uh, besides the the flaming car thing, is when Arnie finally realizes that Christine's, like, truly alive after she gets assaulted. Yeah. And he just walks around her slowly and the show me and then those those piercing lights Uh. with the flare (laughs) and everything. It's just... It's amazing. I love yeah, it. He's, yeah, he's banging that car. <laughs> he, he is. Well, there's... Yeah. There, what is it? What was the name of that show? My Strange Addiction. They had an army on there. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I don't remember what the car was, though. It wasn't one you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it wasn't a Pinto or anything prone to it blowing was, up. It was not a Pinto. <laughs> I, I remember that much. <laughs> Before before we get into um, our favorite performances, I do have a very, very short list of returning players from our previous Carpenter films. Um, is there anything else that we need to you need to cover before I go over my list of one in case I've missed anybody? I just said a couple things that was, I, I was excited about. There's another deleted scene where yeah. the writer and George Thorogood actually show up in the, in the junkyard yes. at the end of the film. But that was cut because oh. I guess... He, the writer's guy, he's like, I'm a horrible actor. Oh. <laughs> Bill Phillips, he's like, I, I'm glad that was cut. Uh, Alexander Paul's a vegetarian. Being a vegan, I found that fun. I guess the scene where oh. she's eating the burger in the car and she starts to choke. <gasps> she said what she did, she actually pushed the burger down further. That's why you can, when she's holding it, her hands are covering it. So she's oh. actually just eating the bun. <laughs> and then oh, you both are probably entirely too young for this, not to pull the old man card. But one of the things I love about it and it might actually be in a deleted scene again god damn it but in the when there's a scene where they're racing down the street with uh, arnie and dennis and christine and they're going faster and faster and arnie's getting drunker and drunker yeah this is a deleted scene uh they arnie turns on the high beams and one of the things i love about old cars is that the high beam switch is a button on the floor that you press with your foot and you turn you turn it off by kicking it and i but pressing it again <laughs> and i wish before it wasn't always on the wand with a turn signal mm. or anything like that the lights that's how it used to be and i love that and i wish that's like a feature <laughs> they would bring back on cars i don't know why Aww. i've always just loved the click on the foot click high, high beams <laughs> so that's my yeah it bring could that come back, back for old man chris yeah bring it back <laughs> Well, here's here's hoping maybe maybe a future Tesla model will have that. It's possible. Look, I'm gonna buy a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk could create for me. I don't know what would be the greatest thing that I would ever want. He could find a way to clone my dog in ten years. <laughs> oh my god! Or, hey, Chris, I want to sell you this autographed David Bowie yeah. uh, first issue of Low for five bucks. I would say no. <laughs> I have such disdain. Nothing for that, for that guy. He's a fraud. He's Sorry. All right. <laughs> terrifying individual. Okay. Here's my great big long list of returning players. I've got Harry Dean Stanton, and I got nothing else. Am Wait, I missing Harry anything? Dean He's an escape from New York. He's a brain. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was it. That's it. He's back as a detective, but he's our only because we've like our main three are. Um, not completely unknowns, but 
relatively they weren't weren't as experienced they had like smaller parts in in their work before this so we really you know we're there is no uncredited voiceover from adrian barpo we we're there's no secret ones that i can find that was it all i got is harry dean stanton you know what wikipedia you suck because they had the little <laughs> recurring collaborators table, yeah. and Harry Dean Stan is not listed on that. That's why when you well, said the recurring characters, I laughed because I was choked on my water because it's blank. Well, I, I need to get on funny. there and edit it. Nah, there is yeah, one. I need to get in there. Yeah, no, that's he's our one and only. But it was nice to have him back. And yeah. listen, he's one of my favorite things about the film. I think him playing the grizzled cop. Is just perfect casting, and I think that I felt robbed that he wasn't a larger presence in the film. Yeah, I almost want to have to have seen maybe the film from his perspective as a detective trying to figure out, like doing his own little Columbo, figure out who the murderer <laughs> is, and he turns around. Hey, let me ask you one more question: <laughs> Is it the car? You know, or something? I would have probably loved that. But. They had Old Man Marley from Home Alone. Oh, yep. yes! shitters! <laughs> the shitters! <laughs> Yeah. It's like, is this an origin story for the, <laughs> right. the guy who sells the sidewalks? Could be. It's terrifying. Arnie pulls that from him, right? Doesn't he adapt? Because he starts using mm-hmm. that word all the time after mm-hmm. that. And the, except maybe for pussy lines, yeah, too. Yeah, he takes that from him, too. Oh, man, you two are free-flying with the uh, profanity of the people. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, this is a safe space for that. Okay. <laughs> all right. It's time for us to select our favorite performance in this film. And this one's this one's kind of difficult for me because I don't think we're allowed to choose the car, right? I know. Because it's, be it's not a person. Um, it is a character, but she, it's not. Yeah. Her. So I feel, I feel like, you know what? I'll, I'll throw her in the Twitter poll regardless. Um, but uh, Lindsay, who gives your favorite performance other than Christine the car? Other than Christine, I would say uh, Arnie. Because I love an over-the-top performance. Yeah. <laughs> and he does it very well, and he's very convincing. And, I mean, even down to the way he changes he changes how he walks. Everything. And everything is different, and he does a good job at it. Yeah. Big swings. Big swings. <laughs> Chris, who you got? Who gives your favorite performance? I, I, I don't know. I was thinking about <laughs> doing I, – I, I feel like Keith Gordon is – Arnie is like the the most obvious pick. He's the focus of the mm-hmm. film outside of Christine. Though I again I loved Harry Dean Stan and I want to throw out there I think you know what Robert Blossom Robert's Blossom the old man who sells him the car. Mm-hmm. He's only in it briefly, but he yeah. is a he makes standout. an impact. He, he absolutely yes. does. Yeah, in that back brace. And, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. Dennis goes back to talk to him too, and he like, has a great little moment with him. I yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what the hell with it. I'm going to go with it. I'm going with Robert's Blossom. It's a good choice. Okay, good choice. okay. Very scientific. I add it to my list. Um, I'm giving it to uh, Dennis. I liked what he was doing throughout the yeah. film. I thought I thought we were going to get, you know, basic dumb jock guy. And he had more depth. He was, you know, he loses the football aspect of his life. Everything's changing for him. His best friend, he cancels plans on him. He's got to deal with, like, do I respect bro code, but I like this girl. I uh, I saw a lot going on for Dennis. And um, again, I was getting flashes of Paul Walker and I liked it. So <laughs> John Stockwell as Dennis is my is my favorite performance other than obviously Christine herself. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so this film has a Rotten Tomatoes rating uh, 69% fresh. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I like to say I love that we as a society have universally decided that any mention of the term sixty nine, the response is just has nice. To. Nice. I just say, somebody has to I do it every time. I can, I, I will not apologize. That we agreed on that. It's just I don't know. I, I think it's great. Uh, we uh we rate things a little differently here. We will be rating all of John Carpenter's films on a synth score, one through five, uh half Every every time it catches me off guard. Half synths are allowed, but synths cannot be divided into smaller fractions. It's just it's like a law of science. Chris, how about you Mm -hmm. go first here? What is your synth rating for Christine? I like the first half. 
it's like I said, I think there's enough here for you to enjoy. I think some of the big key scenes involving the car are very well done. So I'm gonna I'm sitting right now at three and a half. Three and a half? Okay. I'm gonna let Lindsay go last. So she can she can carry us through there. I I I make my scores, but I base it on the movie itself as I'm watching it, but I also have to look at what I've been rating for the season. And I gave That's Escape from New York a three and a half. And I liked this better than Escape from New York. <laughs> That's so, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Call me crazy. I'm giving it four. Four synths. Flaming Christine alone gets a whole synth. That's amazing. Yeah. Four. That, four out of five. Wow. Yeah. Fight me, Chris. You think Christine is better than Escape from New York? I liked it better. I didn't say it's better. I said I liked it better. I enjoyed this like so much more. Like I, I told you, like when we did the Escape from New York episode, I was like, I don't. Why is this taking so long? I, I just found my my attention kind of waning, and with this, I was like, mm. this is bananas, and I like, I liked it better. B a n a n a s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Lindsay, what's what do you have for us? What's your synth rating? I, I also gave it a four, yeah. four synths out of five, and. And again, it's it's I judge it not for what quite the movie is like I I can't yeah. I can't objectively look at it and give it a four, but I can subjectively look at it and yes. give it a four because I enjoy it and I like thinking <laughs> about the like analyzing how they're establishing the relationships between the characters and just the whole mm-hmm. personification of Christine mm-hmm. is so interesting to me and that's what really draws me to this movie and I think sets it apart a little bit. In, in the horror genre where we're, you know, there's the personification and a relationship, a romantic relationship with this personification inside of a Plymouth Fury of all things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun ride. It is. Yeah. So now is where we're going to change course a little bit because this is where things get slightly interesting with okay. Carpenter and how many fucks did he give? <laughs> about making this movie i know every time i say it harder because i know you hate it you know we talked about where he was kind of how he viewed this job how he viewed the reception of what this movie was going to be uh chris why don't you start us off again how many fucks do you think on a scale of zero to ten john carpenter gave about making christine so we've been at tens across the board up to this point correct I think I, I who did I, been. you have been, I marked something down. What did I do? I marked the fog fog. Yeah. Cause he didn't quite come up with enough story to, to fill it. The end yeah. just kind of drags. Yeah. I gave that yeah. an eight out of 10. I think this is now. the beginning, yeah, oh, no. but I'm still, he's, he's still <laughs> invested. Yes. So I have him at a, a, at a, what a number seven with a bullet, a spicy seven. Seven. Okay. Okay. I I actually have the same. I thought I thought seven again. This is our first non passion project mm-hmm. that we've gotten to for him, and um, I think the hangover of the thing. This being like here, I want as a producer, I want you to do this. I think it does. It shows just just a little bit. Lindsay, how about you? I think it's impossible for John Carpenter to give zero fucks. Let me just get <laughs> that out of the way. I think it's impossible for the man to give zero fucks. But I've seen what you guys have laid ahead of you. <laughs> so I know how low of fucks mm. he can give before you get to zero. Mm. So I'm going to say he gave six fucks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can see six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can, again, like I, I cannot wait to plot this chart. As we yeah, watch. It'll be, it'll be very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Any any final thoughts on on Christine before I start slowly attempting to take us home, which I'm notoriously bad at? <laughs> I just, before we get into the bad, I had one more clip thing I, I pulled that I thought is, Ooh, yeah. is a nice thing. Again, it, it's a behind the scenes thing with Carpenter, but it's just a nice kind of, it's emblematic of the man, which I, I appreciate, and is the beginning of something that he starts to do in his films going forward. So if you're wondering where it all started, here you go. I remember when it came out, seeing a big billboard out here on Sunset, and my name was repeated so many times, I thought, I can't ever do this again. 
you know, it's contractual. It, it's up here. It's up here again. It's again and again. I thought, what an arrogant piece of shit. I got to cut this. This cannot go on. I look like a complete fool. I got so embarrassed. So never again would I let my name be repeated like that. I started using pseudonyms after that. So there you go. Because uh, it was like John Carpenter's Christine, directed yeah. by John Carpenter, music by John Carpenter, you know, yeah. all that kind of thing. So uh. that's the pseudonym stuff starts with the with the next film. And, uh, it's fun. I always like kind of picking out all the stuff, too. That it, Oh, yeah, that, no, that's actually him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. So thank you, Lindsay, for being here with us tonight. Tell all of our lovely listeners where they can hear and see more from you. I know you're you're on a great many platforms, screens, yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm everywhere. <laughs> no, uh, you can find me on my channel. Uh, it's just my name, Lindsay Washburn. And you can find me every week at the Bad Movie Night channel where we do the <laughs> Bad Movie Night podcast. Uh, we watch just the worst shit. <laughs> just the worst shit. <laughs> you're you're a trooper. You really. Oh man! <laughs> thank you for your service. <laughs> so I I have a question for you. So I was mm-hmm. peeping on your YouTube channel, and yeah. I watched one of your videos too. That I was something that baffles me, and I'm wondering if you can mm-hmm. kind of explain this to me because I don't okay. get it, and I say that in the most respect respectful way possible. Oh, that's okay. I don't understand why people buy VHS tapes. The fact that it it is a medium that is inherently built to decay, right? That will eventually kick, right? So what is the, what is, what is the, what is the affection for buying something and being able to watch it in almost the worst quality possible? Well, it started because there are certain things you could only find on VHS. Sure. Okay. There's there's a lot of weird shit out there. <laughs> and there's a I mean, the the Star the pre special edition Star Wars only available on VHS when I started my collection. You know, mm. I've got several versions of that. And it's a nostalgia thing too, you know? It's just it's fun to go look at my shelves and yeah. pick out a tape like you used to, you know. It's yeah. I because I miss that, and I, I find it fun, and yeah, and just the the different movies that you can find in the wild—that's another fun part of it—is just <laughs> finding these things for a quarter piece on some back thrift rack, mm-hmm. you know, at Goodwill or some mom and pop thrift shop. I just—it's—it's it's fun. It's fun. I can, you know what? I can't Little pieces of history. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And you can find, oh, I found some crazy shit. Just like, <laughs> especially in the spe- special interest category. There's, oh. yeah. It's like everyone and their brother was like, I can make money if I just make my own VHS tape and sell it to people. <laughs> oh. sub, sub, subject matter and quality be damned. Yeah. I'm going to make a VHS tape to sell to people. I haven't watched it in a long time. I assume you're familiar with the Found Footage Festival guys then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. they find some amazing stuff, <laughs> amazing stuff. All right, well, I can't give anybody a hard time for collecting things, considering how much David Bowie related things that I own in my house. So. You love your. I would never media. fault anyone for Bowie stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, thank you for answering my question. Not thank yeah. you for. So thank you again, Lindsay. Everyone go make sure you're following Lindsay on YouTube. You can follow Bad Movie Night on there as well. Check her out on Twitter too. And please give us a follow at Screen Run. I'm at the Lady One. Chris is at CG Scalzo. And you can find Screen Run anywhere the podcasts are. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And we'll be back on our next episode talking about Starman. It's going to happen. I don't know how to end the show. I really don't. Every time I'm doing well, Chris interrupts me. And then every time I'm doing poorly, he sits silently. (laughs) We're going to go from a a man possessed by love for his car to a lady possessed by love for her husband in an alien. alien. (laughs) (laughs) Just attachment. Attachment. Yeah. I'm sorry that you don't believe in love anymore. That's not my fault. (laughs) Maybe John Carpenter will rekindle that spark. Aww.
<laughs> well, that's me kicking my trash can. <laughs> I, I was like, that's a drop I haven't heard before. <laughs> Sound like a, like someone like fell into a pile of trash cans or something. Right. That cartoon sound effect. <laughs> Probably edit that out. 